This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? But don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hi, everybody. Katie Lowe's here. Welcome back to Katie's Crib, a judgment-free zone for mamas to really talk about all the highs and the lows and the in-betweens of being a parent. This episode, you guys, is selfishly all for me because this episode is all about baby number two which at the time of this recording, I'm 35 weeks pregnant. I haven't thought about baby number two at all because I've been so busy running around after baby number one. The only thing I've done is look at this incredible book very slowly because I can get through a page or two at night before passing out. And I was like, I got to get this brilliant author on Katie's crib. Her name is Sarah Ockwell Smith. She has written 11, count them, 11 parenting books, including the one I'm talking about, which is called The Second Baby Book, How to Cope with Pregnancy Number Two and Create a Happy Home for Your Firstborn and New Arrival. Sarah is coming to us from England. Yes? I am in England, yeah. Really close to Cambridge, between Cambridge and London. It's cold. Oh, I'm so (laughs) jealous. I'm pregnant and just coming out of our fourth or fifth Los Angeles heat wave of over 100 degrees, which has been... Yeah, so it's just just cold and rainy. That's all it does in England. (laughs) 
I'm so happy to have you on the show. First, I want to talk about the the first thing that happened to me when I was trying to plan baby number two, which is this obsession I had with this age gap situation. It's so stupid, but when you're a type A planner, look, like tons of women just get pregnant with baby number two, three, four, five, and they, they're whimsical about it and they're not planners. And if it happens, it happens great. That ain't me. <laughs> Okay, so I went down so many Google spirals of deciding how to space them out around work, around age, around when one goes to school, when one's out of diapers, blah, 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 blah. There's no one size fits all. But based on your research, can you share what are the differences between having kids, let's say, closer in age versus further apart? I know everybody wants a specific answer that says this is the right age gap, go with that. But actually, there are hundreds, if not thousands of research papers out there, and they will all come to a different conclusion. It doesn't give you the exact answer. Um, There's three people to consider, obviously, isn't there? There's the mum, there's the baby, and there's the firstborn. So what we know from the research is that a very small age gap, scientists would consider that sort of under about a year between pregnancies is physically not ideal for the mum because it takes time for your body to recover, obviously, after being pregnant and giving birth first time. Um, It's also not ideal for the baby to have a small age gap. We know, for instance, that the the risk of SIDS, um, I'm not quite sure if you call that, we call it cot death or crib death. Yes, we um, call it That's slightly higher if there's a smaller age gap. But then on the flip side, there is research that shows actually less than a year gap is probably better for the firstborn. So um, either less than a year or more than five years. So if for the firstborn, a really small age gap or a really big age gap, they tend to adjust a bit better. Um, But then there's also another study, really big study, that said two years is the best age gap for the firstborn. All of these studies say conflicting things. Very often we don't get to choose, you know, so people get accidentally pregnant or you might have planned an age gap and you might take a long time to get pregnant. Um, Maybe you have secondary infertility when you didn't have it first time around. And I, I get you, I'm a planner. I'm exactly the same as you. But I think maybe this is one thing we shouldn't try to plan so much. Certainly not looking at the science. I think maybe consider your situation, your work and your home and your finances, things like that. But I think really whatever the age gap, there are ways to make the best of it. And nothing is really ideal. That's so great to hear. And I also ran around to like everybody I knew as adults who have great relationships with their siblings and would quiz them like, oh, you're really close with your brother (laughs) or your sister. What's your age gap? And some people would say two years. Some would say three. Some would say five. Some would say 10. Like it was completely all over the map. And then a lot of people said, oh, there were years we hated each other and now we're in love and best friends. An age gap is really not the only thing that's going to make them best friends or, or otherwise. All of my age gaps are all wrong, of course into the science mine are all oh, really they close are? I have four kids born within four years of each other which scientifically is like the worst thing to do but it worked for us and that silence is my jaw hitting the ground <laughs> I know that you had four kids but I don't think I realized they were within four years of each other yeah it seemed a good idea at the time <laughs> Wow. I only babysat for one family that had three kids under the age of five. And I quit after 30 days because I was like, (laughs) this is its own. I'm not going to survive this. This other situation, does fertility change the second time around? I mean, 
on a basic level, we're older, obviously, second time around. So that can impact as well. Um, it, there could be sort of effects from the birth that could impact fertility. And sometimes it's just unexplained. Right. Uh, if you take the birth control pill, that could also affect your fertility. So again, so many variables. I spoke to a lot, so many people who really struggled with their first baby to conceive, like they had IVF, who accidentally fell pregnant the second time around. I also spoke to a lot of people who got pregnant instantly first time, but tried for three, four, five years for their second. Mm. Interesting. I've heard a lot of those stories of moms breastfeeding the first baby and having that situation where they haven't had a menstrual cycle yet. Like it took me eight months before I had a menstrual cycle when I was breastfeeding my first. And so a lot of people just assume, oh, I can't get pregnant. But that's not true. <laughs> yeah, you can get pregnant before your first period. Obviously, you ovulate. Well, you probably ovulate before your period comes back. So, yeah, absolutely. You can get pregnant without menstruating, which is right. bizarre. What can moms anticipate for their second pregnancy? Like, I, I feel like the first pregnancy is so miraculous. And even if you're sick, you're I think you're so amazed that your body is doing these things. And obviously, you're not running around after a toddler. And I honestly feel like this is the longest, most in-depth conversation I will have about the fact that I'm even pregnant in the entire eight and a half months I've been pregnant. That's how, like, not a thing it is. Like, I keep saying to my husband, like... Should we um, talk about the name or like we just don't <laughs> fucking have time for this, do we? It's just so not precious this time around. Like if I wasn't so uncomfortable, I would forget. <laughs> and there's good things and bad things about what you've just said. I think we tend to be less anxious because we don't have as much time to sort of focus on everything and read all the books and go to all the classes and do all the worrying. Time goes really quickly as well compared to the firstborn. But on the downside of that, I think that's when you start to feel the first thoughts of um, guilt coming in, because with your firstborn, if somebody said to you, how many weeks and days, you'd know exactly. And you could tell well, they're the size of this piece of fruit or this vegetable. Right. And now you're just like, I haven't got a clue. How big is it? Who knows? Right. So it's you're not giving them the same sort of thinking and the headspace that you did. First time around, I kept a little memory book and I wrote messages to my baby and stuck pictures of my ultrasounds in. And I was very much kind of emotionally invested in the baby before it arrived. But second time around, I didn't do any of that. You know, talking about a name, <laughs> things that I knew well before in, in the firstborn. But second time, we didn't really focus on it that much. That can really start to bring feelings of guilt in that. Am I already doing things differently? Should I be focusing more on this baby? But then the minute you start focusing on the baby, then you worry that you're not focusing on your firstborn. So you feel kind of really torn and also exhausted because you can't sleep because you're running around after a toddler or, or an older kid. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really different <laughs> and hard work. And you're peeing all night long. It's ridiculous. It's so, so different. When do you recommend telling the firstborn about baby number two? I think it depends on how old your firstborn is. What we need to understand is kids under about seven-ish years don't really have a concept of what we call hypothetical thinking. So they don't really think about the future in the same way that we do. And they also struggle with something called abstract thinking. They can't really imagine things without 
actually seeing them or touching them. It's why if you see like a four-year-old and you ask them to do some sums, they'll use their fingers to count because they can't do it in their head like we can. Although mm. some adults still finger count. But uh, me. <laughs> so they, yeah, they really struggle to understand things that actually aren't there that aren't tangible. So if you're talking about a new baby brother or sister, they'll kind of seem like they get it, but actually they really don't. What they don't understand is how their lives will change, how things will impact, exactly what will happen. They also don't get time. So you could say to them four months, five months, three months in December, in March, and they just don't get it. So what I actually recommend is that you wait until between five and seven months to tell them so that there's not so long to wait Um, And, you know, you've got a bump so that it's all a little bit more real to them. And maybe you've got some baby stuff going on. So almost as late as possible. That's what I did. And I got so much shit for it. It was so (laughs) bizarre. Like I waited till seven months because I just instinctually knew that was what was best for my kid. He doesn't need to talk about this for 10 months. I I was like, he's not going to get it. He's he's like, he's two. He's not going to understand this. So I've just started you know, a couple little board books that people have recommended about being an older brother and stuff like that. And he hates them. He doesn't want to read that book. (laughs) He wants to read Peppa Pig, Paw Patrol, truck books. If they're older, if you've got a six or a seven or eight year old, I absolutely tell them it's like really early. But the practical preparation, I think, you know, potty training them and moving bedrooms or something, that's the important stuff to do in terms of preparing them. But I couldn't believe like people would say, you haven't told him yet? Oh, we brought our baby to, you know, we showed them the first ultrasound and stuff. And I was like, well, you know, I've struggled with miscarriage and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't want him to know until there's something to know. You know what I mean? Whatever you do as a parent, somebody will disagree with you. It will be wrong. You'll get criticism. You have to, I would just ignore that. So, you know, my one piece of advice to all parents is just ignore what everybody else says. Right, right. We, you just touched on this, which is what I've been getting through, is like I had all these big transitions I wanted to sort of hit with him before the baby came, potty training, moving beds, moving rooms, etc. And I, I really wanted to take the time to space them all out and make sure they were all sort of wrapped up at least three months before the baby came. Is that the recommendation? Like if you're trying to do any big transitions to really not do them before the baby comes, like the yeah, month before? So two reasons. So one is that hopefully that transition will have happened and be a thing of the past when the baby comes. You know, you don't ideally want to be potty training a couple of weeks before and then still going through it when you've got a newborn. So get them practiced and done and out of the way. But also if you don't associate the change with a new baby then they will normally take to it much better. And also it can reduce any sort of sibling rivalry with the baby. So say if they're in your bedroom and you want to move them out, if you move them out shortly before the baby arrives and they associate that baby with why they've been thrown out of your bedroom, then that can sort of cause more difficult behavior because they think, oh, you know, mum or dad's moved me out because the baby's coming and they want the baby now and not me. How do you suggest preparing our toddler's for mommy being away when we deliver the baby if you're not doing a home birth? Yeah, so I would always say have two or three different childcare plans. The more plans, the better. Um, and prepare you're them. You're speaking my for... language, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, kind of prepare them for whatever's going to happen. So if they're going to grandparents or you've got a friend coming or saying, you know, whatever you're doing, always do a practice run. Don't leave it until the actual day 
for it to happen. In the book, I talk about writing two plans, so like a birth plan or birth preferences. And then I talk about writing a while I'm giving birth plan, so a childcare plan. So when you're in labour, you, you might give, you know, the doctors or the midwives or nurses, whatever you call them, your plan that says this is what I'd like to happen when I'm giving birth. And then on the same way, I'd write a plan so that whoever's looking after your firstborn, you give them the plan and say, this is what I'd like to happen with my child whilst I'm giving birth. So I'd write things on there, you know, this is what they like to eat. This is what they like to drink. They need this special toy to go to sleep. They like to read this book at bedtime. You know, think of all of the eventualities and write them down on paper and pack it up in the bag that's going to be with your child. Um, but do a practice run beforehand and try and spend some time with that person before you go into labour so that the child feels really comfortable with them. Again, what you don't want it all to feel new on the day itself. Right. The more it's kind of practised and run through and you've got everything written down, I think the better right. for them. Yeah, I agree. In movies and things like this growing up, we always see the first child being introduced to siblings in the hospital. And um, I've just had a friend give birth who was like, you don't have to do it like that. You can do it at home. And I was like, oh, you can? Yeah. Oh, that seems way better than my son coming to like a place that he's never been before on top of making an introduction happen. It had never even occurred to me that that was an option. Do you suggest like where and when the introduction takes place? I think, again, if they're slightly older and they understand that you're not in hospital because you're sick or you're ill or they're not going to walk past anything with sort of beeping machines or something that scares them. Um, where I gave birth to my first, where we were staying in the, the ward, where we went to after giving birth, you had to walk past the labour section. So my kid had to walk past women screaming <laughs> labour oh to reach me, which, God. you know, wasn't in hindsight Scary. not the best. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was okay. But if I'd known that beforehand, I might have done things differently. But yeah, so I always talk about as well, if, if they do meet you in hospital, make sure any kind of drips or blood or anything is covered up because that could be quite scary to them. But yeah. I think if you're waiting to get home, I think it's nicer for you with the baby. You get some time alone with the baby because you, you won't get that for a long time when you get home. Right, right, right. Oh, I and never thought yeah, about that meet, either. <laughs> meeting the baby. So your eldest child, meeting the baby in somewhere they feel safe and secure and known, I think that can really help them as well because you've not got the strange environment thrown in. And now I've also heard, and you talk about this in your book, Oh, about gift giving and the, yeah. and how the introduction is made. And oh my God, if it's going to be at your house, then I better walk in first and play with Albie for five minutes. And my husband or your partner comes in with the baby and it's not yours. And then you give a gift from the baby, which seems insane to me because the baby can't shop. So like, what are your opinions, thoughts on all of this? Do you know, often I'll, people will make a plan and they'll do none of it and it all goes really great. But the, I think the only things I would say is just make sure that you've had a bit of a rest and a sleep so that you've got the energy for your firstborn. Oof. And ideally... That's a great suggestion. Yeah, you know, don't don't be rushing to see them without having slept or something. But I'd also suggest putting the baby down somewhere. So down in like a crib or somewhere so that you've got your arms free for your firstborn. Because if they haven't seen you for 12 hours, 24 hours, 48, however many hours, they're likely to want to hug. Yeah. And if you've got the baby there, you know, it's, it's, it's like the baby's in the way between them and you. So right, right. 
right, I would right. just, you know, put the baby down somewhere or have somebody else holding them so that you can give the firstborn a hug. Yeah, I think that's great, great suggestions. But um, um, present-wise, yeah, what do you think about the gift? A, yeah, so gift-wise, I would absolutely give them one, but I'd make it from you, mm-hmm. not from the baby. I mean, I don't think it matters hugely, but it just makes a lot more sense if it's from you. When you have visitors, they're going to be bringing gifts for the newborn. I just feel so sorry for the firstborn when all these people are coming for gifts and holding and making fuss of the new baby and they're kind of ignored and they don't get gifts. So for me, giving them a gift and saying, you know, this is because we know you're going to be a wonderful big brother and mummy and daddy have bought this for you. Oh, I love that. So what did you do when you've had four and people were buying gifts for the newborn? Were the first three like, what the hell? (laughs) Maybe three and four, nobody's interested anymore. Everyone's like, nope, no gifts for you. Um, Oh, that's really funny. Um, There's all this controversy with my hippie friends out here in LA about calling someone a big sister or big brother versus older. Is that some like new LA like... Thing. Like I get what they're saying. I don't have an issue with it. But the only thing I would be worried about is if you constantly say, you know, you're a big boy now, you don't need a pacifier, you don't need a diaper because you're a big boy now. Um, what could happen is they start resenting being big because being little gets a pacifier, being little gets a diaper, being little gets lots of hugs, being little gets to sleep with mom and dad. Right. And being big could end up this thing that actually I don't like being big and everybody keeps calling me big and I want to be little again and you'll often actually see a lot of new big siblings they'll they'll regress and start speaking like a baby like their speech will completely change or they'll want to start breastfeeding again or they'll want a pacifier again they'll actually try and become a baby and I do think a lot of that is because being big isn't all it's sort of made out to be yeah, I've already sensed that because like when we we moved my son into a different room because he had this little nursery that's attached to my bedroom where um, my second will go. And then we like b- potty trained and we did all this big kid stuff. And and I notice he'll say, but mommy, I'm your baby. And I say to yeah. him, oh, my gosh, you're always my baby. You know what I mean? Like I and if he says and I want to cuddle, I'm like, absolutely. But I have noticed him correcting me if there are too many big words being put around he'll be like yeah. but I'm your baby and I'm like you're my baby you know <laughs> I'm like kind of follow their lady I don't think it's a huge problem it's just you know how it's used so if you're saying you grow up be a big boy that's problematic yeah no way um wait hold on one second I have to pee so badly welcome to 35 <laughs> weeks of pregnant can you give me two seconds yeah, hold, on, sure. hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on one second one second one second This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. 
We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. So on jealousy and feeling left out, I've also heard this thing about like, my friend said, oh my gosh, just don't let your firstborn see you breastfeeding your baby first thing in the morning. Like you've had some sleepover that they weren't invited to. (laughs) And like, she's like, I throw my baby like a freaking hot potato into the bassinet, (laughs) you know, so that when the, when the firstborn comes in, is there anything to that? I guess. Yeah, I understand. But you've got to live your life as well. You you are going to do things that are going to upset your firstborn. You're not going to avoid it. And I think perhaps being a bit more realistic and just thinking there is going to come a time when they're really jealous or they're really upset and we'll deal with it when it happens. Mm -hmm. But I think talking about jealousy, I prefer to talk about it as grief. So I talk about this in the book, but when we talk about our firstborns being jealous when a new baby arrives, I think it it makes us think in quite a negative mindset about them. It makes us think they're being really naughty. They're deliberately attention seeking. You know, their behavior is so bad. Um, And then you think about, you know, I should ignore them or put them in time out or don't give them any attention when they're being naughty. And I think if you think about them being uh, grieving rather than jealous, it's much more 
a, a better explanation of what they're going through. So effectively, they're grieving overnight. They've lost the relationship that they had with you. They've lost the full um, focus of your attention or your love or your connection. And sorry, I normally make people cry at this point. Sorry if any if I make you I cry know. or anyone like this. Oy, oy. I'm like, oh no. But it is, it's like a loss, you know, and you grieve as well. You grieve the loss of what you had the day before. So I think if we think of them as going through a, a, a grief transition process, it makes us have compassion and empathy for them. It makes us understand, you know, hey, buddy, this is really hard for you. I get it. You've lost what we had and you're struggling to cope with the way things are. And it won't last. You know, they will get over it and they'll, you know, they'll have a great relationship with their sibling in months or years to come. But you've just got to, as you would treat somebody going through grief with compassion, I think that's how we need to treat them and accept the fact that they're going to misbehave and that their behavior is going to regress and they might not be very nice, Raul, because nobody's very nice when they're grieving. What regressions are <laughs> quote unquote normal? So, um, Regressions that happen when a new baby arrives are normally around to the feeling of a loss of control or a loss of autonomy for the first one because, you know, everything they had is gone and they can't control what happens anymore. There are only three things that they can control. That's what they eat or what they swallow if you put something in their mouth, whether they sleep and whether they wake up in the night and toileting or potty training. So the three common regressions that you might find after a new baby are eating. So they might get really picky about what they eat or pickier. All toddlers are picky eaters, but yeah. maybe pickier. Um, and they might start waking up more in the night or lots of bedtime resistance, like they won't go to bed is really common. Um, and if they were reliably potty trained, you might start to have accidents. All really, really normal. They will go. And it's not a guarantee that you'll experience them. But if they do happen, just think, I know what this is. This is that brief transition period. Just try and big breaths, get through it, and it will get better. And this is such a good reminder. I have to make sure my husband listens to this episode because I also imagine that with lack of sleep and all of that, your patience is going to... I mean, I've already noticed how much my patience, how short it is just being pregnant and running after a toddler. Like, I've said things I've never said to him. Yeah. You know, like when he's testing and just like, oh, yeah, I have my sleep sack on, my nighttime diaper, my pajamas, and now and I'm in bed and now I have to poop. Like, that's <laughs> like a regular thing. And then I have to take him out and take off everything off and all this crap. Sometimes I've, I've, I've literally said to him, this is ridiculous, Albie. I cannot do this anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. like, talking to him like an adult, but I'm going to keep saying a mantra into my head. He's grieving. Yeah, he's we not have to doing have this deliberately. Yeah, he's like going this through a hard right, time rather right. than deliberately giving me a hard time. Mm, that's really and you, you know, you will lose your shit because all parents <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, you're not super mum. You you are going to shout. You're going to cry. You'll have a tantrum if he has a tantrum. And I think you need the sort of graciousness to accept that your behavior might regress a bit as well, and that's okay. <laughs> And you know what the other reminder is there that I found helpful is like the couple time, well, not couple, come on, more than that, that I've lost my shit on LB as of recent is like hours later, I'll be like, hey, bud, I'm really sorry that I overreacted a few hours ago when you asked to go to the bathroom and I was, I was short with you and I'm sorry and that wasn't the right way to speak with you and I'll try to do better next time. You know what I mean? So the best thing you can do and actually... 
a lot of people think that I don't make mistakes because I'm a parenting expert. I hate that phrase, but you know, that's what my publishers make me um, call myself. Mm -hmm. But I, I really, really am not perfect. I really lose it with my kids sometimes. But the one thing that I will always try and do is apologize to them. So in the heat of the moment, you probably just need to go and breathe and calm down away from the kids. But once you've had a breather, once you've thought about everything and calm down, the most important thing is just to go and apologize to them and reconnect. So it's called the rupture and repair cycle. There's the rupture of when you lose it, but then there's the repair of that reconnection. And it's so important for your child, for the parents to apologize to them because it teaches them all sorts of relationship skills, but most importantly, it teaches them what they should do in the future when they mess up with a relationship. Absolutely. I love so that. So if we never made a mistake, they wouldn't learn how to apologize. So see right. it as a positive thing too. Right. Ideas of how to get number one active and involved. Is that helpful? Like, yeah, everyone... definitely. Give them a special job so that they feel kind of a sense of pride and control. So it could be that every time the baby needs a diaper check, it's really weird saying diaper. We call them nappies in the UK, and I have I know, to keep I reminding myself it. to use US words. But yeah, every time they need a diaper change, um, then that's their job so that they could be like the diaper duty person and they get everything together. And then their job could be to get the wipes out for you and pass them to you. Or if you are breastfeeding, their job could be go and get a blanket for the baby or get a muslin or something. So yeah. every time that they have a role as well. But I would also, um, if you're talking about breastfeeding or nursing, have like um, a selection of toys or activities that only come out when you're breastfeeding. So oh, that's a great tip. Get some like anything that's that's new, that's novel to them, that they really like, put them in a box yep. and it only comes out. So it's like, okay, it's time to breastfeed the baby. Now go and get your breastfeeding toys and come and sit them next to me right. and we'll go through these. But, and then when you finish the feed, put them away right? so that they hold a special interest. But yeah, the more jobs, the more special activities, the better. And things like if you need to buy something for the baby, take your firstborn on a shopping trip and let them pick something out as well. Mm. This is a big sphere of mine. So my first is a boy um, and he's he's an aggressive player. It's how he rolls. <laughs> like his best friends are two years older. It's a lot of wrestling. It's so foreign to me because I'm so like I, I can't even watch like boxing matches. Like I have such a not a great association with physical play. And my son is very physical. Yeah. And I'm pregnant with a daughter. She might be very physical, too. I have no idea. We'll see what she's like when she comes here. Um, but my question is, what is the correct language around if the, your first is aggressive with your second, which I'm sure happens to everybody? Yeah. So um, two things. I think you've got to think about why they're doing it. So sometimes it's just just an accident. You know, they just you have over enthusiastic hugs or giving mm -hmm. them a toy and they don't mean to hurt the baby. They're sure. just toddlers and they don't you know have the control of the body that we do. So there I, I'd work on teaching them to be gentle. So, you know, gentle hands or whatever, but don't tell them to be gentle. Show them how to be gentle. So like you could get them a, a doll that you play with and you show them how to this is how to gently stroke the baby or this is how to sort of gently hug the baby or something like that, but actually role play it, role play with dolls or say to them, you know, this is how you gently touch somebody, let mummy do it to your hand and then you do it to me so that they know what you mean. And then I think sometimes you have to kind of let it slide when they are a bit over enthusiastic. 
um, you you very quickly find that your second baby is incredibly resilient and they don't <laughs> cry as much um, because they get used to kind of being hit and over enthusiastically stroked or something right from the off. And they right. also tend to be much easier sleep-wise as well because your toddler will do something and you'll have to quickly put the baby down and they'll have to get themselves off to sleep because you're trying to stop your toddler doing something horrendously dangerous. Right. That if they are if they're doing it on purpose, so they're actually purposely trying to hurt the baby, then I would be again going back to that grief mindset. The baby is the thing that has changed their life. At that moment in time, they kind of wish the baby wasn't there. Or they're showing, you know, you've hurt me, so I'm hurting you. So the way to resolve that is not to punish them or shout at them when they do it. It's trying to think, you know, how can I make things better for this child so that they don't need to behave in that way? And that the best thing that you can do there is try to get some one-to-one time with them away from the baby and try and build that time in every day. So even if it's like 15 minutes and you do bedtime together with um, partner or grandparents or somebody with the baby in a totally different room, I keep hearing this 15 minute magic number, which has really been such a savior to me being pregnant and and like COVID. Just like if I can do 15 minutes once or twice a day with no phone, him leading the play. Yeah. 100% attention. It goes miles. Like it it really does. Fucking miles. And it takes the pressure off me where it's like, oh, God, I don't have that three hour window to take him on an adventure of something that he's never done. Like that's not happening. Do you know what I mean? The the two things that work the best is just 10 or 15 minutes. As you said, put the phone down, get down on the floor with them and play. But say to them, what do you want to play? You decide what we do. So whatever stupid things they want to do that you join in with them. Right. And then I think the most important thing that you can do is do bedtime if you've got another adult in the house. So what tends to happen when we have another baby, if there's two of you, is the partner will then automatically take over bedtime for the firstborn and the mum will then automatically do the baby in the evening. But actually, it works much better if you can swap it around, because after a day with the baby, what the toddler or the firstborn really ideally needs is time with mum and mum alone at bedtime. And it's kind of the most important time of day. It's, you know, that's the end of their day where they're processing what they've been through and they're going to sleep. So if they can have that time with you and dad or partner has got the baby in a different room. And it's literally, you know, if you're breastfeeding, I would breastfeed and then kind of run and say, here, take the baby, take yeah, them for a walk, timing. take them in yeah. the car. You feel yeah. like 15 minutes, half an hour while I do the first one's bedtime. It has a huge impact. Yeah, that's so interesting. Mostly because I was so sick uh, starting at about four or five o'clock with this pregnancy that like I was dead to the world, like yeah. so, couldn't deal. So he's been doing bedtime and I do mornings. He wakes up with me and we do all of our books. I do like 30 minutes with him in the morning, but I guess we should switch it up. Yeah. you know. And also the other thing is it doesn't have to be every day, but if, if you can both do bedtime at some points, it makes them much more flexible so yeah. That, yeah. that you end up with a child who won't only go to sleep for mom or who won't only go to sleep with dad. And actually the wonderful thing is it makes the baby much more flexible. So when I um, talk to parents about sleep, one of the most common questions I get is dad or partner can't get the baby to sleep. Only I can do it, particularly breastfeeding mums. You know, what can I do? How can I help dad to get the baby to sleep? Right. And with your second baby, you have this marvelous sort of opportunity from the first, because if dad has the baby in the evening 
your partner has a baby in the evening, then the baby gets used to going to sleep for them as well as you. Right. So you end so up it's not like all on you. Exactly. So, you know, in six months time, you don't have that baby who will only go to sleep for mom, which is normal, but it's a lot more helpful for you if you've got both kids will go to sleep for both adults. Yeah. Like you've set yourself up for doing way too much if you're just yeah. like the baby. Oh, let me just do it because it only works when I do it. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. So if you have family 
that's helping you with the baby, sisters, siblings, friends. I know with COVID it's different, but my parents are going to be here and they'll be watching Albie. I was just under the impression, spoil him, give him whatever he wants and give him all the attention in the world. Tell me what's right or wrong and what I should tell them they should be doing with 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 baby one. It kind of pretty much what you've just said. Oh, good. But it's really important to discipline and have boundaries too. A lot of parents will start to feel so guilty that they end up really permissive and they just do anything the firstborn wants because they don't want to upset them anymore. And actually, that's not good for them either. So don't be afraid to discipline him or have those boundaries and limits. But also, yeah, shower him with love and attention, play with him. If they're going to bring a gift for the baby, I would say, can you bring a small gift for him too? Sure, sure. But yeah, keep some normality going as well. It's Again, at the moment, it's difficult. But if he goes to um, daycare or something like that, then I, I would actually keep that up. Right, 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 right. His normal things is yeah, what normal it, activities and routines. Try and keep them up as much as possible because that kind of gives them some predictability to an otherwise very unpredictable situation. Mm-hmm. We talked about the massive mom guilt. I've had moms just breaking down, crying towards the end of the pregnancy with their second, really mourning and grieving, and um you know, saying goodbye to what was once a two or three family unit that's now changing up. Any advice for those moms and those horrible feelings? Yeah, I do. The only advice I think is that everybody will feel it to some extent. There's nothing wrong with you. It's really normal. And I think just kind of accept the feelings, but also understand that eventually they will fade. I don't think there's anything you can do to make them go quicker. You will absolutely have enough love for another baby. Your love has, doesn't have to be divided. It multiplies. However, guilt will never completely go. You know, my eldest is 18 and oh my I, still God. Feel, I still feel guilty sometimes, you know, yeah. uh, you still have those pangs of, oh, what if, what if there was just you or thinking back to those times when there was just you and that doesn't make you a bad person. So just be kind to yourself. I think that's the whole thing with the second baby is just be kind to everybody. Have empathy and compassion for your child and for yourself. Everybody's grieving. Everybody's. See, I haven't felt that yet. I'm curious, like, I'm very close with my brother and he, we have like a, for everyone listening, we have a two-year, nine-month age difference. I tried to recreate that, and I got an acting job and couldn't have that happen. So my children are three years and two months apart, which I will blame for the rest of their existence when they don't get along, which is so, <laughs> so stupid. But I feel like my brother was the greatest gift my mom ever gave me, like, period. I'm, I feel so fortunate that I don't walk through my life alone that there's one other person on this earth that understands my parents the way we do, you know, like my significant other will never understand my parents like my brother does. And I feel very relieved that like, as we walk through our lives that we have each other and that's going to be like a big hoop for me to jump through because who knows if my children will get along the way my brother. Just to keep reminding yourself of that. And when you were a kid, there were probably quite a lot of times when you didn't like your brother. Oh, so, God, you know, we beat the shit out of each other. Like, absolutely. And my kids, as they've got older, they've definitely got closer together. But when they were little, it was just like all out war. <laughs> and I think, you know, don't, 
pressure yourself or your children to be the greatest of friends. And it's also really boring for a toddler or an older child to have a baby. You know, babies are really dull when you want to play um, catch with them or you want to run around with them and they can't do anything. But that relationship will grow. Mm -hmm. And I don't push them or push yourself to sort of have it right from the start. But yeah, I agree. I don't have any siblings. And I one thing I dearly wish is that I had a sibling, which is what I kept reminding myself on the really bad days when my kids were trying to kill each other. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am so, I'm very excited for this. I'm very happy to have spent time with you talking about the fact that I'm even having another child. And I do think it's going to make my son a better person, to be honest. And look, yeah. I know some fucking stellar only children. You being one of them. Kerry Washington is an only child. My friend Anjali Cabral, who's been on this podcast, is an only she has step siblings. But if you know, I, there are amazing only children in the world, incredible. But I do think for my son, I'm like, he, good. He's the only grandchild, and the sun, moon, stars sets on this freaking kid. I I yeah. cannot tell you how the attention situation. I mean, it is unreal. But I'm going off on a tangent. Are there any other pieces of advice you can give to anyone expecting their second? Gosh, you know, I think one thing I would mention is think about your first birth a little bit. So particularly if your first birth was um, a bit traumatic or it didn't go as you want, I would always recommend you spend some time kind of debriefing what happened, particularly if you want to try for a natural labor second time. So um, get somebody to explain first time why things went in the way that they did so that you can understand it so that you can make an informed choice about your second birth and how you want things to go. I mean, a lot of second time parents who are just, oh, we're just going to go with the flow. And and that works for a lot of people. But if you did have a difficult time first time, I'd really recommend spending some time focusing. I usually mentioned, I think, um, before we started speaking, have a chat with a doula or or a a midwife or a, a prenatal coach to kind of process what happened. That's a, that is something we've not touched on, which is an amazing piece of advice because I have had a lot of mom friends heal through their second labor experience. Their first was very traumatic and out of control feeling, and they were petrified to give birth again. And what it did was healed their first experience because they really went into their second in a different way or having processed the first one and they came out of their second feeling better about their first one. Yeah. And it's not just about your second being a perfect natural birth. No, it be no. Having it's just an elective that, cesarean. Right. But you've really, things are going to go the way you want them to this time and you've made a plan and you feel much more in control. Inform yourself about everything, debrief, and think about how you can take control. And uh, yeah, absolutely, you can put a lot of demons to bed from your first birth, yep. which really helps with the kind of the bonding in the early days with the second baby. That is incredible advice for you guys listening. I'm so scared because I've had a fear of labor my entire life, and I overstudied and overprepared and overfreaked out. And so nothing could have been as bad as I thought it was going to be. And it wasn't. Yeah. It was great. It was like the best day of my life. It was absolutely wonderful. And it just occurred to me the other day, I was like, holy shit, I could have like an emergency C-section. Like it could go completely differently than the first one. This pregnancy has been completely different than the first one. Is the trick to not compare it to the first time? 
what you're saying, you've not been anxious about it, probably will make it easier this time because we carry that anxiety and that fear to birth with us. Uh So I think that in part is what makes second birth easier. Obviously, if you had an easy time first time around, the one thing that I think somebody in your situation, if your first birth was fairly easy or fairly short, like the average first time labor is about 13 hours. So if it was shorter than that, research what to do if your baby comes before you get to the hospital or the birth center or midwife arrives. I used to be a doula. I've been to many births and I was um, an antenatal teacher or prenatal teacher. And um, I've been at many what we call born before arrivals of second babies that don't wait for medical staff or arriving at hospitals so just research that there's a little bit about the book in it but if it happens really quickly it's a great sign but just make sure you and whoever else is with you knows what to do if it progresses really quickly oh my god we had Alanis Morissette (laughs) on this podcast and I think it was her second she had a that sort of situation the doula never made it the midwife never made it her baby was here in an hour and her freaking husband my husband would be fainted dead on the floor there's no way (laughs) he can't even see blood just make sure he knows what to do if it happens really quickly oh my god i mean anything is possible i've been to three second births that were all born into the toilet do you call them toilets in america yes what yeah like literally mum no medical staff there mum just thought oh i need to go to the loo i need to have a poo no and it wasn't a poo and it was a baby way That is it. Have just before we go, did you any of your four happen like that? Like, was it so fast? Um, my so yeah, my first two were in hospital, and they were um, first was really long. Second, I was induced, so it's quite quick because it was induced. I had preeclampsia, which I think oh, yes, you call toxemia, of course, of course, of course. So, which is actually one of the risks for mum if you have a very close age gap. So, I got pregnant when my first one was six months old. Holy really. shit. Yeah, you know, I look back now. I think, what was I doing? But yeah, so that's one of we the. We know what you were doing. We know what you were doing. Yeah, oh, a bit too much apparently. <laughs> my third and fourth, I had at home. My actually third babies, labour tends to get longer, bizarrely. So it's normally first long, second short, third medium. My fourth baby was. I think just about an hour from first contraction to Get being born. Get out of here. Oh, like, no, she don't, was born don't. at home, thankfully. So we had, I had a birth pool at home and I rang, got my husband to ring the midwife and the midwife turned up with her coat still on. And I'm like, baby's coming right now. Oh. And it was lovely. It was in, yeah, all my three um, kids are upstairs asleep and missed all of it. It was kind of perfect, but would have freaked me out if it had happened second time. Wow. So... Sarah, thank you so much for all of your time. And can you tell our listeners where we can find you, where they can get your book? Um, so my website's just my name, Sarah Ockwell Smith. It's got a little hyphen in it.com. I'm on Instagram as Sarah Ockwell Smith. I'm on Facebook as Sarah Ockwell Smith author. And I'm on Twitter as The Baby Expert, which started off as a bit of a joke, like a tongue-in-cheek thing, but it kind of started, it got printed on my book, so I've had to keep it. So it's The Baby Expert. <laughs> Um, and the books available kind of everywhere you can buy books. Great. Guys, if you are entertaining the idea of getting pregnant with another, if you're expecting your other, if you've brought your other home and everything's going to shit, whatever, I <laughs> highly recommend this book because it has everything in it and it's so accessible. The second baby book, How to Cope with Pregnancy Number 2 and Create a Happy Home for Your Firstborn and New Arrival. Sarah Ockwell smith thank you so much for coming to us from England, from your very cold, beautiful, 
place. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, everybody. And you guys, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, you know where to find me. It's Katie's Crib at Shondaland.com. Thank you all for tuning into Katie's Crib and for your beautiful messages and reviews. I absolutely love connecting with you and hearing your stories and questions. So email me at katiescrib at shondaland.com. We may just feature you on an episode. So hit me up. Thanks, guys. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 